Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Then I will go, but if you won't go with me, I will not go. And, you know, notice again his, his reluctance. His reluctance, and we see this in other areas of the Scripture where God has called an individual and they are reluctant to go. And, and so this is not a new thing. And this is just a, a part of a sinful man. Uh, every one of us, we, we really don't know what we're made of until we're placed in a situation where we have to demonstrate our faith. Welcome to our Bible study on Truth in Christ Radio. Today, our study starts out with God's appointed representative, Deborah, giving orders to Barak to take the lead in the fight against the Canaanite army of King Jabin of Hazor. The fact that he demanded that she go with him showed that he trusted more in Deborah's relationship with God than with his own relationship with God. We must develop our own personal walk with God, or we can end up with a false sense of security. Now let's join Pastor Rob with today's study. Nothing against Deborah, and certainly nothing against women, but there are roles of men and women, and we we got to... Um, and, and that's a good thing for us today. Men, what are you doing in your homes? Are you the head of your home, or is your wife the head of the home? You know, you should have the say. You should have the final say over things. Your wife and you should pray together. You should make decisions together, but the ultimate, the, when it really comes down to it, that decision is yours, and you have to make that decision. And so make the decision with meekness and with gentleness and listening to your wife, because God has given you to her, given her to you. It would be foolish to make decisions without ever consulting our wives. Do you really want to know their heart and their thoughts? Maybe they've got something better, but ultimately God's going to reward you for what you do according to his will but we need to listen guys and we need to take that that role in our house very seriously and we can't uh, give that away to anyone and when we do and if we do it rightly and we do it in the meekness that, that God would have us to your wife will willingly submit to you and especially if you do it with a right heart she won't be bitter and angry and if you're not heavy-handed and acting like you know Tarzan you know the king of the jungle you know she's going to respect you and there's not there's going to be peace because the order has been reestablished and so we live in a culture where that's gotten all whacked out of it's all whacked <laughs> it's all strange now but going on to verse 5 it says and she Deborah would sit under the palm tree of Deborah there's even a tree named after her. how's that 
between Ramah and Bethel in the mountains of Ephraim, and the children of Israel came up to her for judgment. So they would come up to her to have matters discussed and for her to give direction. And again, why wasn't a man doing that? Maybe because there wasn't a man to do that. And again, that's really an indictment against the men in that culture at this time in history. So, then she sent and called for Barak, the son of Abinoam, from Kedesh and Naphtali. So Barak was from Naphtali, which is up there, that land right to the west of, of the Sea of Galilee and going up a little bit north of the Sea of Galilee. And so she said to him, and notice, Has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, Go and deploy troops at Mount Tabor, and take with you 10,000 men of the sons of Naphtali and of the sons of Zebulun. I didn't have time to do this tonight, but when we were in Israel recently, I got this really wonderful picture of Mount Tabor. It looks like a camel's hump, and it's like this. And it's a, it's a big mountain, and it's right there in the Jezreel Valley, along the Valley of Megiddo, in that area up there in the north. And this is where uh, this event took place. And so 10,000 men... She says, go and take 10,000 men of Naphtali and the tribe of Zebulun and go against him. Go against this Sisera. And against you, I will deploy Sisera. Notice, God is saying this through Deborah. Against you guys, I'm going to bring Sisera against you. And he's the commander of Jabin's army and his, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. And I will deliver him into your hand. And again, the river Kishon is a river right at the base of Mount Carmel. I had another picture I wanted to show to you tonight. But it's a, it's right at the base of Mount Carmel where uh, you remember that Samuel defeated the prophets of Baal. He faced off with those 450 prophets. And you remember the event that at the end of that uh, contest, if you will, that Elijah uh, with other men, they, they took those 450 prophets of Baal and they killed them right at the right down at the bottom of that hill. There's a stream. It's dried up today. You can't see it, but um, at the time there was a river going through there, and you can still see where it used to be. Uh, and that's where he slaughtered those 450 prophets right there at the base. And so now, much further back in history, now we see Sisera coming against Deborah and Barak and the armies right at that same location. And so, notice what Barak said. So here she is prophesying, telling him what's coming. And Barak said to her, If you will go with me, then I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And, you know, when I read that, it kind of pains me as a man uh, because he's basically saying, I don't don't have... But you know what? I, I love the fact that Deborah didn't rub his nose in it too much. I mean, she really didn't rub his nose in it at all. But uh, she was willing to uh, to go along with uh, Barak, and she wasn't upbraiding him at all. She was willing to give the direction, and, and then he and his men were to execute that decision. And and so, so he said, if you go with me, then I'll go. But if you won't go with me, I will not go. So... Let's go back to uh, verse 7 there. It says, And against you I will deploy Sisera, the commander of Jabin's army, with his chariots and his multitude at the river Kishon. We, we just read that. And uh, again, I, I just shared that with you. So let me, uh, let's go on here. Uh, verse 8. <laughs> and Barak said to her, Again, if you will go with me, then I will go. But if you won't go with me, I will not go. And you know, notice again his, his reluctance. His reluctance. And we see this in other areas 
of the scripture where God has called an individual and they are reluctant to go. And, and so this is not a new thing. And this is just a, a part of a sinful man. Uh, every one of us, we, we really don't know what we're made of until we're placed in a situation where we have to demonstrate our faith. Because uh, that phrase that we've used before, a faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. So we really don't know really where we stand until we're in a position where we have to respond in faith. And, and that is where God, see, God knows he knows where our faith is, but we don't always know until we're put into a position where we've got to exercise it. And then and then we discover really where we're at. And, you know, whether we crumble or whether we rise to the occasion and are victorious, you know, God gives that. But, you know, when we look at the life of Moses, you remember in Moses or in Exodus chapter 3 and 4, God tells Moses after he had escaped from Egypt, after killing a man, he was in the desert, uh, ministering to Jethro, his father-in-law, and he was out there for 40 years. But what did he? What happened when Moses saw the fiery bush? God says, I want you to go and I want you to deliver my people. And what did Moses say? He says in verse 11 of Exodus 3, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? You know, who am I? I'm nobody. He used to be the second in command, and now he's nobody. And he, he was small in his own sight, but he was also small in faith too. Because in, in Exodus chapter 4, verse 1, what does God say to him? Oh, I'm sorry, Moses said, uh, answered and said, But suppose they will not believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord has not appeared to you. So here Moses is just in his, his unwillingness. He, he, he's really not wanting to go. He, he doesn't really see himself qualified, which sounds like a good thing. But we also see him hemming and hawing with the Lord. And then in verse 13 of that same chapter, but he's, finally he said to the Lord, O oh my Lord, please send by the hand of whomever else you may send. In other words, Lord, send somebody else. I really am not up for this. And so reluctant he was, just like uh, Barak was. And we see the same thing in Gideon. Remember in Judges chapter 6, which we're going to get to in a few weeks, when God comes to Gideon and tells him what he's going to do through his life, what, is, what does he say? He says, O oh my Lord, how can I save Israel against the Amalekites? Indeed, my clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I am the least in my father's house. Another excuse. And see, that's, that's what happens in the life of, of natural man, especially when we're, in, we're not walking in faith, but walking in the flesh. We don't always see um, ourselves as, as being able to do anything. And, and some of that can be humility, but we'll see that um, and being small in your own sight is a good thing. you know. But when God encourages you to go, with the command comes the enablement. And that's really what I wanted to share there. Because when God says, this is what I want to do, the best thing to do is just to agree with God, regardless of what I think of myself, even though it may be accurate. you know, there, I'm, I'm not all that, Lord, and I know that. I, I, I can't speak well. And isn't that what... Uh, what it says in um, uh, what Moses said. That's finally what he said. Lord, I can't speak. I can't speak. But notice that Barak is listed in Hebrews. In the great hall of faith, we call it, in Hebrews chapter 11, let me read to you just verse 30 through 34. Because even though Barak was really led by a woman, really, he was following her lead, following her direction, and it says, By faith the walls of Jericho, this is Hebrews 11, verse 30, 
By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they were encircled for seven days. And by faith the harlot Rahab did not perish with those who did not believe when she had received the spies with peace. And here it is. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and to tell of Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. They worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong. And I like that because that's really where God can take over is when we really, out of weakness, when God tells us to do something and we do it, what happens? He becomes our strength. The enablement, the commandment is already, is, it, when he, as soon as he makes the command, everything that we need is within us, whether we believe it or not, whether we feel it or not. And isn't feelings, boy, those are some of the strangest things, our emotions, because they get us to dwell on our shortcomings. And we can hide behind that and say, well, it's just because I'm meek and mild and, and I don't have a problem with you know pride. Well, sometimes that can be true, and sometimes it's just downright cowardice. It's just an excuse, which is what we see. And so Barak is even listed here, even though um, it was really a woman, this wonderful woman, Deborah, who was really calling the shots. And the Lord was using her, and yet you don't see her name here in the Hall of Faith, but she was faithful. She was a faithful woman, but Barak here is listed. Amazing. So let's go on in verse 9. And so she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, there will be no glory for you in the journey you are taking, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And then Deborah arose and went with Barak to Kedesh. And so here she is trying to warn Barak that, you know what, Barak, I'll go with you, but do you understand that if I go with you, you know, the Lord's going to give me the glory and I'm not supposed to get the glory. In fact, neither are you. But because men are who they are, and your army is the army going out, you're going to be the name that people are going to be looking up to. They're first, hopefully, will look to the Lord and give Him thanks. But secondly, they're probably, they should be looking for what God did through you, not through me. But she does anyway. And the, the word sell here, when it says that, that, that God will, the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman, this literally means a surrender. God's going to surrender Sisera to them like merchandise. He's going to basically give Sisera into the hand of the Israelites. And so, and then we're going to see that later on in verse 21 of this chapter. But notice in verse 10, before we get there, it says, Barak called Zebulun and Naphtali to Kedesh. He went up with 10,000 men under his command, and Deborah went up with him. Now Heber, the Kenite of the children of Hobab, the father-in-law of Moses, had separated himself from the Kenites, and he pitched his tent near the terebinth tree at Zaanaim, which is beside Kedesh. And I love these things in the Bible where it's very specific about where a specific uh, location is. These these markers that everyone in that air in that time knew of, and many of those markers are gone today. But it was a very specific place. It was near the terebinth tree at Zaanaim. Do you know where that is? I have no idea. So, which is beside Kedesh. Do you know where that is? I have no idea. And they reported to Sisera, this family, this Heber the Kenite, they reported to Sisera, this enemy of the Israelites, that Barak, the son of Abinoam, had gone up to Mount Tabor. And so Sisera gathered together all of his chariots, 900 chariots of iron, and all the people who were with him, from Harasheth, Hegoyim, to the river Kishon. Remember that, that river that really is right at the base 
of Mount Carmel, and it goes all the way up. And that the name of of that river, Kishon, means winding because it does it, it winds around, and then it finally goes out to the place that we would call uh, um, it was called Aco, but it's in that little up there by uh, Tyre and Sidon, in that area there, up there where the uh, Valley of Megiddo empties into the uh, Mediterranean Sea. So Barak went down from Mount Tabor with 10,000 men following him. And uh, again, I have this wonderful picture, and I can almost picture because the mountain goes up like this, and then it kind of tapers off like this toward the north. And it's very possible that they were up there in the mountain. They came down on that slope to come after uh, Sisera. And notice in verse 15, And the Lord routed Sisera and all his chariots, all his army with the edge of the sword before Barak, and Sisera alighted from his chariot and fled away on foot. This word routed is really wonderful. We kind of lose, we don't use that term in, in our language today really, but what it really means is it's a, it's a Hebrew word that means to disturb or to put in commotion, to trouble or to confuse to confuse. So the Lord confused Sisera and all of his chariots. And what is this word trouble, you know, confusing him? Why was he confused? Well, we're going to find little hints in the Song of Deborah in chapter 5, but it sounds like the Lord in a very uh, uh, a dry season, which is in between June and September, it would have been a great surprise for Sisera to be in that area, knowing that it was the dry season, and then all of a sudden there is this torrential rainfall coming down. Now you know what would happen if you had chariots and horses out in in the in the valley, and we've seen this valley, and it's very lush, and when it rains and it rains hard after a dry season, that water doesn't even have a chance to really absorb into the ground, and so it just stays on top, and now it's muddy, and the horses and the chariots are getting stuck, and so now Sisera is freaking out because he thought he had the upper hand, knowing the times and the seasons very well, and then all of a sudden he's struck by this uh, rainstorm, this torrential rainfall, and it really gave an edge to the Israelites now as they were coming on feet. Now they had to flee their chariots and run. And it's interesting that the god of the Canaanites was the god Baal. And Baal was a god of storms. He was a god of nature, a god of storms. And so when they see this storm happening at a very unusual, very unusual time in their season, you can imagine these Canaanite men are thinking to themselves, our own god is against us. Our own God is against us. And can you imagine the terror? And the, the word there, he, he, um, he routed them, he troubled them, he vexed them. God confused them because they were confused. Now they couldn't get around in their chariots. Now they're wondering if their own God is against them. They had no idea. And so it's very interesting, very interesting. You know, you can look in, in other passages of the Bible where it talks about God using the same word in Exodus chapter 14, verses 24 where the, God did the same thing with the Egyptians as they brought them through as the children of Israel went across the, the Red Sea. And chariots and the uh, Egyptian armies came after them, and it says that God troubled the army. The, the word is the same word that we heard up above, where he routed them. It's the same exact word. He troubled them. He confused them. He vexed them. And they were, they got their chariot wheels are coming off, and they drove them with difficulty. And, and, and so it was an amazing thing. Amazing thing. And so, back in verse 16 in our text tonight, it says, But Barak, 
He pursued the chariots and the army as far as Herosheth Hagoyim, and all the army of Sisera fell by the edge of the sword, and not a man was left. However, Sisera had fled away on foot to Jael. Her name actually means um, mountain goat. How would you like that, ladies, to have a name that meant mountain goat? I kind of wonder what this woman looked like. You know, maybe she had a, a big wart on the end of her nose. I don't know. Maybe she had fuzzy ears. I have no idea. Uh, mountain goat was is what her name means. J.L. means mountain goat. And so, so Sisera fled away on foot to the tent. And it was very customary for people to be very hospitable, but it's very unusual um, for a man to go into another man's tent, another uh, a man's tent where his wife is in there. So that kind of explained how comfortable... Uh, and how at peace these the, this people was the the J R Heber the Kenite and his wife because they were uh, really uh, simpatico if you will with Sisera and uh, the king of Hazor, but so J L went out to meet Sisera. So now he's he's fled from the battle, which is pretty shameful, and now he's going to come and he's going to be in the tent of uh, of a woman. So Jael went out to meet Sisera, and she said, Turn aside, my lord, turn aside to me, do not fear. And when he had turned aside with her into the tent, she covered him with a blanket. And then he said to her, Please give me a little water to drink, for I am thirsty. So instead of giving him water, she does an even greater thing in, in, in appeasing him. And so her, his defenses are completely coming down because he's exhausted, He's exhausted, he's thirsty, so not only is she covering him and speaking softly to him, but instead of giving him water, she's giving him milk. And you know what a nice cold glass of milk does for you at nighttime or before you're, while you're tired, it just puts you right to sleep. And that's exactly what happens to Sisera. And so J.L., Haber's wife, she took a tent peg and took a hammer in her hand and went softly to him. And you can imagine him all cuddled up and he's got the blanket underneath his head here and he's resting and he's got his tummy full of milk. And and she takes that tent peg and she sticks it and kind of puts it right over the top of his head and then hits that hammer. And and just so you know, it was the woman's job, believe it, and believe it or not, in this culture for them to put up the tent. So this was not something, having a tent peg and a hammer is not something that was unusual for her. She knew how to use these tools because it was the woman's responsibility, believe it or not, to put up the tent. So she was very comfortable with this. So she drives this this tent peg through his temple and fastens it into the ground because he was fast asleep and so he died. And so do you see how this verse really was... Uh, the fulfillment of what Deborah had said previously in verse 14. For this day which the Lord has delivered Sisera into your hand, has not the Lord gone out before you? And and so he tells, she told uh, Barak earlier that this is what God was going to do, that he was going to sell Sisera into the hand of a woman. And that woman was Jael. It wasn't Deborah, it was Jael. And so... Then as Barak uh, pursued Sisera, Jael came out of the tent to meet him. So she had this wonderful change of heart, and she realized that if this guy's fleeing from the, 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 the armies of Israel, her heart was probably like, we better be on the right side here, because they, they really should have been on the Israelite side, but they found themselves in some kind of excuse me, interesting relationship with the king of, of, of Canaan, this uh, Jabin, king of Hazor. And and so now when she sees Sisera coming and fleeing, she's thinking to herself, the, the tide has changed. 
And so for whatever reason, instead of being um, abetting the enemy, now she's putting the enemy to death and thus being a victor really in this whole uh, thing. I'm sorry, that's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Judges. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things, such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play and Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.